Christians, you need to be able to distinguish fatalistic predestination from biblical predestination. Now, that's a topic I'd probably do another episode on some other time. But for now, let's just talk about the significance of unconditional election. Last time we looked at some of the objections raised against the unconditional view of divine election and examined the grounds on which the foreknowledge view of divine election stands. Now, before we move any further in our discourse today, a brief disclaimer to all those who think this to be a gospel issue and spend much time debating or scrutinizing competing ideologies. We have to understand that those who affirm the foreknowledge view may just as much be Christians as those who affirm the unconditional view. Neither side is denying the deity of Christ, his atoning sacrifice, his resurrection, or his second coming. All of us, thankfully, agree on these essentials. And so, while the foreknowledge view tries to somehow preserve the just, aspect of God and the notion of human responsibility. The unconditional view tries to preserve a high view of God by maintaining his omnipotence. The intentions are of course noble, but I personally affirm the unconditional view of election and I am going to elaborate upon why I choose to do that. And with that said, I'd like to begin by clarifying something to those who still believe that the doctrine of unconditional election boils down to absolute fatalism. Christians, you need to be able to distinguish fatalistic predestination from biblical predestination. Now that's a topic I'd probably do another episode on some other time. But for now, let's just talk about the significance of unconditional election. In my opinion, those who affirm such ideas about the unconditional view of divine election are not too far from stepping into atheism. Because, frankly speaking, the biggest difficulty for an atheist is to reconcile human free will with divine sovereignty. For us Christians, these are just two poles of the same magnet. Humans are volitional beings, the way God is a volitional being. It's just that God's will is freer than ours because God is sovereign and not we. Because our wills are tainted and corrupted and under the bondage of sin as a result of the fall. So we freely choose to sin because sin is what attracts us more by nature. When God works in the heart of a man, that man is transformed and given a new identity in Christ. He is given new eyes to see and new ears to hear precisely to this effect. But man is still under the garb of his prior fallenness. He hasn't escaped the task of choosing. He still gets to choose freely, but only now he has a disposition to choose righteousness which he formerly 
did not have. Now, this is biblical, okay? <laughs> Don't think that I'm making this up or that I'm deriving all of this from systematic theology. No, all of sacred scripture resoundingly approve of this simple and salient fact. You see, the problem with the human understanding of freedom is that it necessitates an absence of compulsion. Also, a lot of Christians are tempted to think that love cannot be forced. Now, they are right to some extent, but not when they are trying to interpret John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day, saying that God somehow lures us into his fellowship, but not irresistibly. Now, it's interesting that the Greek word behind the word draws has exactly the same meaning as drag. Every single time the word is used in the New Testament, it is implying an act of force. Some common references include James chapter 2 verse 6, Acts chapter 16 verse 19, John chapter 12 verse 32. Some theologians infer that the word draws denotes an action of drawing, as in drawing water out of a well. And I'd like to ask them, how in the world can you possibly draw water out of a well without the use of some force? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. If God was not personal, if God was not a God of love, he would not make his sacrifice effectual for any. And he would leave everything to our fallen agency from which we so humbly seek to be redeemed. I love the God of the Bible because he doesn't leave us helpless. And sometimes, in our drug-induced sort of spiritually deadened state, when we are unable to discern the right from the wrong, when we cannot see where we are headed. He shows up in all power and might and rescues us with the ferocity of a lion, devouring our enemies and making us whole. This is the Rational Fidaced Podcast and you are listening to Fide Viva.